Have a seat. Ushers are going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us. If you're here and you're a guest, thanks so much for joining us. You can just hold on to that Get Connected card. you got 20 minutes to get it filled out. And then as soon as we end, we've got a gift for you outside. Our way of saying thanks so much uh, for coming. So we're going to be in Matthew 22 today. Uh, that's the beginning of the New Testament. You can go there in your Bible or on your phone. Uh, and I'll get there. And once you finally get there, like we're going to stay there for the rest of the day. I like to just pick one place and camp out there. Uh, because I'm going to move around a lot up here so you don't have to move along around a lot up here. So uh, we're in a series called Things Jesus Loves, and it gives us an idea of what God is about and what he wants from us. This is his picture of what a relationship with him looks like. So if you're here and you already are a Christian, then this is like an idea. Okay, this is where we're going to press in. This is where we want to experience God working in us and around us this year. And if you're not a Christian, this is even better for you because this gives you an idea of what it looks like for us to follow Jesus. This is the part that's kind of like beyond the bio that we put up to make ourselves look good. This is what it looks like behind the scenes of what it is for you and me to follow Jesus. So after this week, we got one more week of it, and then we're going to dive into something else. But today, we're looking at something that's foundational to us as, as, as people who follow Jesus and what really fuels everything else that we do. And that is the idea of worship. For Christians, this is typically traditionally like you think of worship. If you aren't a Christian, you've got a picture of what this looks like, and that's Jesus people singing songs. But it's a lot more than just singing songs. Anything that we do that's going to try to make Jesus look good in any way through our lives is worship. So this morning, our setup crew, who was here before the sun was out when it was nice and cold, uh, they were were worshiping because they're, they're setting up church so that people like us can come and be blessed by it. Uh, People who are working in kids' church right now who are raising up the next generation, they are worshiping because they're raising up the next generation to love and follow Jesus. They're laying down their, uh, sometimes their health, uh, but their sanity, their personal space, you know, their patience, because they want people who are younger than them, who are soon going to be sitting in your seats, but aren't there right now, to get to this point loving and knowing Jesus and making a difference at their preschool and at their elementary school so that they can do so in junior high and high school. Worship team, they're part of it. They're playing instruments to bring glory to God. The prayer ushers, they're here. They're worshiping also as they bring you into God's presence. And why we talk about singing is because unlike all those other things, singing, I think, is something that gets discarded really quickly. It's really easy to back away from that. And I think there are two reasons. One of them is preference. We just decide, this isn't my style, this isn't my song, I don't really like this, I believe that we should sing this or that or whatever. And so we back off because it's not my type, it's not my thing. And another one is what we're going to get to in a little bit. But, but singing is part of our tradition, but understanding the why behind the tradition brings life to it and brings a depth to it that wouldn't be there otherwise. So if you already are a Christian, this is probably the type of thing that's going to remind you of like, oh yeah, that's why we do that. And if you're not, this is the reason, these are a bunch of the reasons behind why Christians are always singing, why there's Christian music and all this stuff. So the first thing that we're going to do, the first we're going to look at, the first thing we're going to look at about why Jesus loves being worshipped is that flat out God is worth being worshipped. Jesus loves worship because God is worth it. We look at the energy, the time that we spend to be here, and we look at how amazing and great God is, and it's always going to pay off. It's all we're never going to get to leave on Sunday feeling in our hearts or or whether or not uh, we feel it, but it's always going to be spiritually accurate that us spending time on God is always a million percent worth it. It's a big deal for God. 
Where we are at in uh, Matthew 22, Jesus is going to have a conversation with somebody about worship. And there are a lot of times where this happens, where somebody comes up to Jesus and they ask him a question. And this is always like the YouTube comment version of the Bible. Okay, YouTube comments are basically where humanity goes to look bad and dumb. And so there are a lot of times in the Bible where people come up to ask Jesus questions, where they're trying to push an agenda. They're trying to make themselves look better. And Jesus ends up speaking through and seeing through what they really want him to say, saying like, I'm always gonna be God. You cannot use me for your cause. And he ends up teaching us what life in God looks like and also making them look dumb, which is fun for us to read 2,000 years later because we weren't there, okay? So we're always gonna look better as we read the Bible because we weren't the bad example. So a guy comes up, he's a religious leader. He's the person who should know all the answers about the Bible. And he says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? The law of Moses, okay, that's 629 laws that the first part of the Bible is based on. And it's these, these 10 commandments, the 10 do's and don'ts, you know, that you've heard about. And then 619 laws that are in place so you don't accidentally break one of the 10. And so this lawyer is coming up saying, I, I want, if you've got 629 laws. I'm expecting you to say, you know what, all of these are always very important. He's expecting Jesus to say all 629, I can recite them for you right now. Number one, he's saying all of these should be, experience, should be important. That's what the guy's expecting. And Jesus answers with something different. Which one of these is most important? Is it about what we do? Is it about what we eat? Is it about the way that we live in this way so that nobody ever thinks we're one of those people? Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God. Since it comes down to love, it comes down to worship. It's more than just singing. It's a lifestyle. But because singing is the easy part to, to discard, easy part to say this doesn't work for me, we're going to talk about love, uh, love through singing and worship through singing because of this. I think the first reason that people say it's not worth it to sing is because they're self-conscious about their voice. I'm quick pro tip on that one. If you think that you sing poor enough that it's not worth singing because it's going to be so bad, come sit right near the speakers. They are plenty loud enough that nobody else will hear you. If you've ever responded for prayer and you've gone to somebody near the speakers, you know how impossible it is for anybody to hear anything that is being said, okay? Especially when it's loud. So you're worried about your voice? Come sit up by the front. You're worried about your voice? You don't like your voice? When you sing, you don't think it's good, but you feel like inside your heart you should sing to God, even even though it sounds really, really bad, that means you're closer to worshiping God than so many of us are. Because we look at our voices, we look at, at what's happening, what heart happens in our hearts that motivates us to worship, that has this bad sound coming out of our voice. And that's real worship. Because we're not worried about, about making ourselves look good. We're not doing it so that we look good. Instead, we're saying, I'm willing to sound bad to tell God how good he is. Man. Worship always costs us something. All right, for us to walk in here and be able to sing to God and enter into God's presence had a massive price tag on it. Because all of us, whether we want to admit it, because we have a pulse, we are all victims of our own sin and sin that has happened to us and through us. God is completely holy. God can't be in the presence of sin. So in order to deal with that, in order to deal with the mandatory separation between us and him, God sent Jesus, who is God with skin on, into the world to live a perfect life so that holy God could be in the presence of unholy sinners. 
That happens through Jesus. That that means for us to come into God's presence, we're doing so through the blood of God's Son. That our worship, our entrance into God's presence cost him not just dignity, not just saying, okay, fine, I'll listen to those people with the bad voices. It cost him the life of his son. And in that, it should cost us too. It should push us. It should stretch us. It should move us beyond the point of being self-conscious. Because it's not like we're ever going to stop worshiping, okay? We are creatures of worship. We're all creatures of worship. This afternoon at 3.30, there is a kickoff of a large sports game where two teams who, ironically, both wear red. So there were people who didn't have any jerseys, so they're like, I'm going to wear a red shirt today. I'm going to fit right in. Uh, the, the, the two teams are going to win, are going to fight each other, and one of the teams is going to win. And if you're here and a Raiders fan today, one thing you're excited about is there's no way your team can lose today, Right? <laughs> Yep, it's sad. But uh, my team, the Lions, has never been in the Super Bowl. So this is just kind of like a dead day for me. Um, one day we'll get there. Not anytime soon, but one day. You know, like we're going we're gonna to cheer. We're going to yell. We're going to celebrate. We're going to eat food that's offered to the God of sports. And we're going to make a big deal about it. There have been a number of things in my life, a number of games where I have lost my voice cheering for a team. That's an okay thing. It's not a great thing when that replaces God. Okay? And it's not to say that everything is bad. There are some bad things. Okay? If San Francisco wins today, there will probably be riots in the Bay Area. And some of it, some of the pictures, you know, it'll be a worship thing because, because we're worshiping sports, we're worshiping victory, we're worshiping things. And so there can be songs made after the riots, like this little light of mine. You know, that could be a result of worshiping victory and worshiping sports and worshiping the 49ers. If the Chiefs win, let's just be honest, it's too cold to go outside and riot. Like, I don't think there are any 10-degree riots that have ever happened in the history of the world. You stay inside and you celebrate with a nice warm blanket. So that, that could happen. But we're creatures of worship. If we decide we're not going to worship God, then we're not just going to cease to worship. We're going to worship anything and everything else. We got a video that leads us in that and explains some of it to us. Nina, go ahead and roll tape. Everyone worships. Sure, not everyone wants to call it worship or even think about what they're doing. But everyone worships something. Everyone has some ultimate thing that they center their life around. Something or someone that they hope will give their life meaning or purpose. For some, it's religion. For others, it's money. For some, it's fun. For others, it's success or power or science or knowledge or beauty or popularity. For some, it's love or sex. For some, it's their family. But the Bible says, 
All things were made by Jesus and for Jesus. This means we were created to worship, but there is only one who is really worthy of our worship. That's why nothing else in this world satisfies. We keep on looking, we keep on striving, we keep on buying, but nothing delivers. Nothing brings us that deep satisfaction that we long for. But when you live your life with Jesus as the center, you're doing exactly what you're created to do. You're right in the place you're supposed to be. So the irony is that when we give our lives over to worship Jesus, that's when we actually find ourselves. Everyone worships, but we were made to worship just one. You know, I think the difficulty of the human condition is it's so easy for all of us to fall into worshiping the things that were mentioned in the video. Whether it's success, security, family, love, sex, popularity, autonomy, we're, that, that's what our hearts runs to. That's what our heart goes after. And, and worshiping ourselves is always going to leave us empty. But the blessing of worshiping God is that it takes the focus off of ourselves. Is worshiping God takes the focus off of ourselves. So the guy asks Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He's saying, you must love the Lord your God. So that's immediately taking all of our affection, all of our action, everything that we work towards, and pushing it away from ourselves. So this is going to be anything but about me. And we live in a world that focuses everything on us. As we follow God, it's, it, we take the focus off of our own performance. Everything turns into, okay, what God can I give to you? How can you look good? How can you be glorified in my life and through my life? Uh, in, in about a month, we're going to have another Live the Mission weekend. That's where we focus on work that God is doing around us uh, as we go give and pray to places in the world that you will probably never go in your life to all of them. But as a church, we collectively get to be involved in all of them as we give. And for what we do this every year uh, is we take our normal offering, which goes towards running the church to reaching lost people here uh, in Fresno and Clovis. Uh, and then we take a special offering that's going to go out from here, just gone, boom, to here, uh, to places that only Pastor Greg can pronounce because he's our missions guy. Uh, and what I tell everybody every year, this is the same thing. If you've been here more than once, you know the drill, is you go home and you ask Jesus and you say, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to give for Live the Mission Weekend on March 1st? What do you want me to give? And when Jesus gives you a number, you say, okay, let's make that happen. This might be a stretch. This might be a little bit nervous, like white knuckle clinching, but it's the number that Jesus gave us. And so if it's really high, then we're trusting Jesus. And if it's really low, then we get over the fact that we feel bad making a low gift. Because it's what Jesus offered us to. It's what Jesus is leading us. And if we are able to give a lot, it's not because we're able. It's because we worship a God who provides for us and leads us into managing our finances in a way where we're able to give. It takes the focus off of ourselves. If we're giving to make ourselves look better, we're completely missing it. If we're giving because we're vessels through which God can work through, through a worshipful act of giving then we'll leave being fulfilled and feeling encouraged to the fact that we got to give to God. And this all happens in the vacuum of a world where you're supposed to look better than everybody else at every turn, at every cost. 
Uh, so unless you live under a rock, you know that Kobe died a week ago. Uh, and so there are three of us in this service wearing Kobe jerseys. For me, as a dad of two daughters, uh, the stuff that happened in Colorado in 2004, where he was accused of doing something really uh, evil to a woman, like wearing the jersey was a step for me. Like I had to really decide, am I going to do this? As a dad of two beautiful little girls, is this going to be part of me? Uh, and I think on a day like worship, it's something for us to remember, that everything in our world and everything that's been said about him since he passed, with the exception of one article that I saw, has been about how great Kobe was. And for a lot of us, when we die, that's going to be what's said about us. Because our world doesn't run to the things that happen inside of us, inside of our hearts, between us and Jesus. Okay, at Mountain View, here we have... Uh, a top 10 list where it's 10 people that we're praying for. And for uh, most of us, realistically, we can only focus on probably three people that we want to see become Christians. So those three people, like the, the, the list is weighted. One, you're going to have actual influence in their life. 10, like that's just a decoration by the time you get that down lo that low on the list. So I've got the three people that I'm investing in and I want to see them become Christians. And then by the time you get to 10, this is just like, okay, this one's for fun. Uh, and so for a long time, I was praying for Kobe. He was my number 10 on my list. So when he got accused of sexual assault in 2004, it's like, wow, this guy needs prayer. And when he find out that he and, him and his wife were getting divorced, it's like, okay, we got to pray for Kobe. I can't be there. I can't show up and say, hey, you need Jesus, because I'm going to get tased and arrested and probably thrown in a ditch somewhere and never seen again. Uh, but I'm praying for coaches and other players around there to be active in his life. And I don't know what happened between the day I started praying, the day anybody started praying, and last Sunday. We don't know that, but we know that we work and we live and worship in a world that puts all of the focus on you and me and what we can do to achieve greatness and, and worshiping God completely takes that focus off of us. So this is not about what I can do. It's about what Jesus is doing through me and has done through me to make himself look good. And so one of the reasons why we don't worship here in church is, is that we look bad doing it. Like, your kids know you, and so when you bring your kids in church and they're around you, it's difficult. Like, I'll admit to that. It is difficult raising my hands next to my wife, who I hurt, who I offend, who I do dumb things that affect her life negatively, in front of my kids, who I am sometimes a terrible example for, that we decide, I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to enter into God because I look like a hypocrite, and what we're doing there is we're modeling poorly. Because our kids are being raised up uh, through teacher Robin in kids' church and now teacher Alex to love and follow Jesus. They're being shown that God is worth worshiping. And so we're going to worship him with everything we have. We're going to look exuberant. We're going to look over the top because we could never be too over the top for God. And so our kids, as we're in here, they're over there learning that worship takes the focus off of ourselves and put it on God where it belongs because he's that amazing. Next, worship involves our whole body, and it's to be done through every emotion. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He's saying through everything, through every part of your life, you are to worship God and love God. And for all of us, a healthy relationship is something that exists through every mood that we're in. If you have friends that you're friends with when you're only when you're happy, or if you've got friends that you're only friends with only when you're depressed, they're not real friends. Because a real friend is sticking through you through everything. And with God, it's the same way. When we bring our hearts to him when everything is awesome, that's like a no-brainer. That's how life works for us. But when we learn through following people in the Bible who love God and worship God, we get to see people loving God and worshiping God when everything else in life is terrible. The first part of the Bible, the part before Jesus came, this is where we get to see this displayed really, really well. 
where people begin to pray and come to God when nothing else in their life is going right. We practice chronological snobbery, as one author says, that the farther away it happened, the dumber people were. And so we look at the Old Testament and say, oh, they don't get it. But what we don't get is the fact that they learn how to pray through their disappointment. They learn how to pray through their anxiety and through their anxiousness and through, like we sing on a song on Sunday, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. There's a guy named David who made more mistakes in his life in one concentrated period of time than hopefully all of us ever will. Uh, and there's a point in Psalm 103, you can look it up. Uh, it's kind of long, I was gonna read the whole thing, but decided not to. Uh, but he starts the thing saying, praise the Lord, I tell myself. We think that, oh yes, he's so excited, he's praising the Lord. I see that, I read that, and I think he's gotta convince himself, pull himself out of his darkness and say everything else in life is bad. I need to bring Jesus into this. So I'm telling myself, I'm gonna praise the Lord in the middle of this mess. I'm gonna praise the Lord when I do not feel like doing it. I'm gonna praise the Lord through this. And so you read Psalm 103 and it begins, I'm telling myself I have to do this, God's gonna show up. And by the end of it, he's rejoicing in God, his savior because he's learned to worship God through his whole body in every emotional setting. Praise brings in the presence of God. There's a song that we're gonna start singing sometime in the spring that says that. That our praises, our words, our telling God how great he is brings the creator of the universe into a theater in Southeast Fresno and begins to fill this place with his presence. So somebody who a lot of you have probably never met because uh, he comes to the 930 service. He sits right around there. Uh, he's got a big family. Uh, he told me a while ago, you showed up at church earlier than normal. And so I said, hey, man, how come you're here so early? He said, the kids were fighting. Everything is bad at home. I said, get in the car. We're coming here early because we need to get stuff fixed. We're going to church early. He's like, I'm bringing the mess at home, which if you live with more than one person, you know that's a real thing. Uh, I'm bringing the mess at home into God's presence to see God do something. So how, what's the tip for that? What's the tip for, for bringing your mess into this place and then being able to worship in the middle of your storm? Uh, for the three of you who respond for prayer, you know that this works. Our prayer ushers up here up to pray for people. They're also worship ushers because you come on and you say, okay, God, this is what I need you to do in my life. This is what's broken. This is what I need you to fix. And so they pray for you. They bring you into God's presence where you find forgiveness, where you find healing, where you find mercy. They bring you to the mercy seat of God is one way that a Bible person describes it. And we meet Jesus. We meet his presence in the middle of our brokenness, his presence in the middle of our heartache. And then you walk back to your seat, having just met with God. That's when we sing. That's when we celebrate. The people who come up and respond for prayer and then go back to their seat, they're the most excited people because they just met Jesus. Another thing that'll help you get excited as you come to worship uh, is waking up a little bit early or setting, about, setting aside a little bit of time before you get here uh, to do your shape, which is our church's Bible reading and journaling plan, where you read three chapters of stuff that happened here. And because it's the living, alive word of God, he impacts the way that we live here. We meet with God in the morning through the book that he wrote. And then we bring that encouragement. We bring the life of the spirit inside of us as we come and gather as a church. We're preparing our body. We're diffusing bad situations at home to bring them into God's presence for him to work. And lastly, worship. It's communicating to God what we love about God, empowering us to live for God. Verse 39, a second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. 
Worship sets us right around loving God and loving people. He says, as we make God a big deal in, his li- in our life, God is going to work in our hearts and turn us outward to go live our love for God for the sake of other people who don't yet know him. We're loving our neighbor as ourselves. We can only do that when we're excited about who Jesus is. We can only invest in their life to see that they don't yet know Jesus, see the yet pulled out of it for the people that we love to fall in love with Jesus the way that we have. Worship is communicating to God about what he's done for us. So if you're like, all right, I'd love to sing. I just don't know any of the songs that you sing. Aha, we are a step ahead of you. Uh, if you Spotify, then we've got a playlist that uh, you can search for. And it's a lot of stuff that we sing regularly. And then some things uh, that we're going to start debuting in the next few weeks. You look that up, MVC Sunnyside Worship Set List. Uh, and you're coming to church singing the songs that you've been singing uh, throughout the week. Another reason why worship is great, and the part that gets me excited, is we're singing our theology. You know, you're singing the thoughts that you have about God. You're singing the actions that God has done on our behalf that have changed anything. So I don't know if you've believed it, but so far, what we've sung so far is that God loved us before we loved him. Because of his grace, he forgives our sins. He's given us freedom to live for him. He's released our burdens for him to carry. And while he's doing that, he fills us with his Holy Spirit. He empowers us to change our world for him. We're declaring the things that we love about God. We're giving God space in us and around us to work in us and send us out to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And if we've come to know Jesus, he's sending us out to spread that into the lives of people who don't yet know him. It's worship. It's bringing God worth through our lives. God loves us enough that he is excited. He is put on his throne by our praises, through our voice, through our words, which may or may not sound good. He doesn't care. He says, I want the heart. And as we give him the heart, as we give him our lives, he does more through us than we could ever control, ever expect, or ever begin to repay. He's our God who loves us and works in us as we worship. Let's stand and pray.